0: This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now as a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters. We're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. So this is an Instagram live podcast with PR (laughs) expert, author, and television personality, Kelly Catrone.
1: And Early Evening Cocktailer. Thank you. Uh,
0: We're we're currently amidst the global uh, coronavirus pandemic, and we're coming live to you from our homes. Should we start with a couple of reader questions, or do we want to um, go back to those? Do you want to start with, here's a better question. Do you want to start with controversy or end with controversy?
1: I mean, I don't care. I mean, let's go go hot. Let's start with a fire, dude. Let's go
0: hot. There's there's a couple of reader questions, follower questions. One of them, and then I have about I have ten questions for you that we need to get to. Piers Morgan recently called out close to 20 celebrities and public figures for their social media posts and overall behavior at this time of coronavirus. What are your thoughts on this and whether there should be a sensitive way or even a way to behave, particularly on social media at this time?
1: Well, I mean, is Pierce Morgan the spokesperson for humanity all of a sudden? I mean, no, isn't, but- it brutal, isn't, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? Like, is, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really know. I don't think that people should look to celebrities to make sense. I think they should look at celebrities for entertainment. And every once in a while you get lucky, like you get a smart, intelligent celebrity that makes sense and can actually be a leader. There are really good examples of those people, like whether it was Paul Newman back in the day or somebody even like Leo DiCaprio and... I mean, you know, there are people that are getting involved that are making sense. I mean, even Kim Kardashian makes sense, like, you know, what she's doing in the social justice space. So, and then there are other celebrities that don't make any sense. And then there are in other way. people who are celebrities that shouldn't even be celebrities, like, you know, 85% of, you know, people on TV. So <laughs> that's, that's a, a good point. a question. I mean, yeah. listen, I think that, you know, if you can bring goodness or realness at this time, if you have information and you've you know, been diagnosed. I I think it's really important. Like, I think people are going to want to know more from Chris Cuomo what it's been like than Andy Cohen. But I mean, I think Andy's done a good job talking about his symptoms and, you know, things like that. So if you can be a leader, be a leader. I mean, people want to be entertained. I think Elton John did a great job. You know, he kept it light. You know, you're a singer more than an activist and sing. Right. Did that, did I answer the question? Yeah. Don't you all agree? I think we do. Okay, like nobody wants to take yoga classes with me. Like, why would I do yoga classes? Like, right? You know. You know.
0: Okay, Kelly, what's your favorite thing to cook while you're holed up at home?
1: Vicky Steffel another- is um, here. I well, I'm a vegetarian, you know, so it's like uh, I don't know. I love making pasta and homemade pasta sauce, and I've been making some really good Indian food lately, like alu gobi, like just rocking out some really good alu gobi lots of chickpeas, I don't know, soups? Yeah, it's not that exciting. I mean, I've been cooking a lot. I subscribe to newyorktimes.com for the recipe section, and it's really good, and I buy it for people for presents. So I've been making everything. I've been making really beautiful burritos. I've been making um, like lots of, obviously, vegetarian dishes, great pastas, homemade tomato sauce, which I never want to buy tomato sauce bottled again.
0: Well, we can't. We're Italian. We're not allowed to. Yeah, but,
1: but let's just talk about how to make it. You just need one 25-ounce can of tomatoes and like seven cloves of garlic. Chop it up. Quarter of a cup of olive oil. Throw it in. Get the tomatoes, you know, swish them up with your hands. Throw it in there with a can of water, okay? And guess what? Throw some basil on the top. Yum, okay? You're on your way. That's uh,
0: very... a oh, Megan Polari, Red Shots from scratch. Jars,
1: you get two big jars for like five dollars, because we all have to think about money now, okay? We have to think about going back to nature, which I've been talking about forever, and money. So why do we want to spend nine or $11 on some Goomba Reo's or Michael's fucking tomato gravy? You don't need that shit, fuck everybody. <laughs> That's it, so we're making our own sauce now, okay?
0: Okay, one more question before we get yeah. to the other stuff. Kelly, you're witchy, did you see this coming? This is a follower question.
1: Uh, yes, I did. I've been telling, have I not been telling everybody? I mean, Tamara, I have been talking to you. But you can ask my assistant, Simone. I told her something major is going to happen in my life in April 2020. That's what I told her. Two years ago, I said, okay, and Kelly Osborne and I talked about this. Yes. And also living off the grid. I, I said two years ago, you know what, the whole grid could go down. And I started based on actually Andrew Chapman going to Jamaica because we're opening this great hotel called Sam there. And I started watching them and they were cooking food in the ground. And I was like, okay, yo, I'm going to learn how to do this. So I started teaching myself how to cook in the ground, like root vegetables and fire pits and stuff like that. So yes, I did see it coming and I'm not surprised. And I think that we need to get real about what the hell we're doing to the feminine on every level. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to go heavy though. It's not getting too heavy. Yeah.
0: Well, let's do a little then and now exercise. Okay. Describe a fashion editor with a background like me coming to fashion shows to track trends, get ideas for fashion spreads and stories, take extensive notes and find clothing and accessories for shoots and describe the fashion media and publishing professional today.
1: Well, I have to say that 20 years ago in the fashion business, people took their jobs pretty seriously. So when you were a market editor, so let's talk about what a market editor is. A market editor is somebody who's in charge of a market because the editor-in-chief is going to direct the magazine, right? And then the fashion director is going to help that editor-in-chief include all of the advertisers and help to tell the stories of the month. And each month has a different story, right? January's wellness, February's love, and it's spring one, March is spring two, April's denim and swim. I don't know why I don't make the rules, but that's how it is. So you have to tell those stories within the magazine. So... That being said, a fashion director directs those visuals with the photographers and the stylists and the editor-in-chief, and then they call out to the market editors and they say, these are the stories that we're doing. So for you, if you're involved in European right, a ready-to-wear or American ready-to-wear, or accessories, which you love accessories, and so they, everybody has a different market. So back in those days, okay, everybody took it very seriously. If you were the market editor, you went to all of the showroom appointments, you met the designers that were in your market and you knew what was going on through lookbooks, through meetings and through attending <coughs> shows. No, 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 no. That doesn't happen anymore. You run into like market editors in like Paris, you know what I mean? And you're like, here, are you going to come to the Paco Rabanne show or are you going to come to Vivian Westwood? Both brands that I've worked with for 13, 15 years. And the answer is just like, oh, no, I don't think I have time. It's like, excuse me, bitch. That's your fucking job. Okay. Get to the market. European editors take it a little more seriously than American editors. Right now at this moment. Always. The French editor, you would always see Bobette Cohen from Numero, you know, at a fashion show. And you would also see like Marie Christian Marac at a fashion show, right? Like you would always, you would see them. So, um, yeah. And I mean, listen, I think there are a lot of great kids in fashion today. But the thing that they need to know is you know, they need to hustle. And so you can never be too busy. I can't tell you how many great brands that I've met because I just happened to open an email that maybe I wouldn't normally have looked at, like Manelia, a brand, you know, that I work with right now, or Fauzi Houghton back in the day, which is what brought me to Brazil for the first time, like long before Giselle Buncheon ever set foot on these shores. So, yeah, people need to understand that this is a science. It is an art form. It is a place that you pay your dues, and it's a place that you burn to learn. And you know that, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah, 100%. I have a question for you. What is the craziest thing you ever had thrown at you at work that one of your bosses threw at you? Oh, I had that question for you. Oh, I actually, you did? This isn't planned because people are going to think we made this up.
0: I know the craziest That's thing That's so I funny. Doing. No. A lot I, of things have been thrown at me. I had, um, I had that question f- for
1: you. Okay. Well, I just. The same question. You. I asked it first. What is the, not even, ha- did anybody throw something at you? Because I know if you worked in the same, we worked in the same business. Fuck. I mean, not fuck HR and, and, and right. Tell me what, what's the but question? Back in the day, people used to throw things at us, our bosses, right? Okay. So what's the weirdest thing? One of your bosses or somebody. Okay. This isn't a, a weird at you?
0: this isn't a weird thing, but this is literally, um, you know, these are tales from my first job in fashion. And what that means is um this is like real devil's devil wears Prada territory. Okay. Okay. This is like but she real didn't throw things. this is like what they wrote the book about. This is like how they made that movie, like mm-hmm. this is the real stuff. So when I was an assistant learning everything, I worked for Interview Magazine at Kelly, as you know, that's where you and I first met, Kelly. Correct. We've known each, each other. Kelly, you were starting your company and I was the fashion assistant interview magazine.
1: How cute is that?
0: And um, I was basically the assistant at a magazine like that at the time, a magazine where there's not so much budget, it's privately owned. Uh, the assistant had to do everything. So literally everything. And it was, a, it was a blessing. It was a great first job to have. I learned everything I could possibly need to know about working in this business from that job, from the four years of that job. But it also meant that you had to kind of figure things out in a way that I don't think I've ever seen anyone had to kind of work things out um since then. I mean Elise Elisa Licht is somebody who we've talked to on the podcast, DKNY P- DKNYPR girl, um yeah, we who, love who Kelly knows, who worked at magazines around the same time that I did. And we kind of share the same stories. But it would be things like this. It was literally like um it would be three o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> And
1: for no patina, they would say, okay. no,
0: I'm, this, is a, this is a true story. True story, 100%. It, it'd be like three o'clock on a Tuesday and somebody would say to me, the Versace's are on their way into the office. They're going to be here in 10 minutes. Donatella, Gianni, the whole Versace team, they're on their way and they're going to be here in 10 minutes. Set up the conference room for a meeting. We need coffees. We need something to eat. Like, just get it done.
1: And so I would have to.
0: I would have to to run to Dean and DeLuca, which was right across the street from the office. And I would have to, like, take, you know, pray that I had $45 or whatever it was for all of that in the late 90s. And I would have to, like, anticipate and figure out, like, what would Donatella Versace want to drink?
1: Well, we all want an espresso.
0: That. Would she want a double espresso? she wanted want like a with a no calories.
1: Up. I mean, before she got so had sober, to basically buy want a vodka you know,
0: and some blow. Isn't that what she would have I would have to, I'd have to buy like, you know, 10 different drinks. And you know, and that's what I did that day, I bought like 10 mm-hmm. different coffee drinks. I bought like a plate of pastries, like
1: the so magazine. threw something at you? The
0: ma- so, did anyone who threw something at me? Yeah. I don't think I've ever gotten something thrown at me, but I did tell the story the other day that I was on, on set um, on a photo shoot, and the fashion editor whispered to me, like, oh my, we had this beautiful catering, we had the beautiful, like, five star setup. And the photo- the, my, my editor whispered to me, like, darling, can you just go and get me, like, a Whopper Jr.? you know, get me get my burger, i dying for Burger King. That's and I was like, okay, great. Anywhere. Like, I let me go get my boss Burger King. And I ran out to get him Burger King. And I come back to this set, beautiful catering, huge table of catering, f- full shoot going on. And the photographer sees this handoff, this Whopper Jr. handoff. And he's like, in front of the whole crew, how dare you, how dare you run out and get a hamburger for one person and not accommodate the whole team. It yeah. reamed me in front of the whole photo shoot okay. for not having gotten um, uh, the thing. So those, those
1: are my stories, those are my story, crazy he stories. Got off easy. I had an iPod thrown at my head. He killed himself, so I can honestly talk about this story. I was doing the Manuel Cuevas fashion show, you know, who made Johnny Cash the Man of Black. He did all of Elvis's leather jumpsuits. And um, you guys take a vote if I should take my braid out or leave No, it.
0: I love the braid.
1: I Guys, I the think the braid dealer. is really good. What? Yeah, it's like okay. it's like a... Anyway, long story short, we were in this music meeting and I was like, this is how the music's gonna go. And the guy was a big co He ended up blowing his head off. His name was... I, I won't say his name. Anyway, it's not the designer of Manuel because Manuel's amazing. He's an American treasure. But anyway, this guy, whose first name was Alan, he got up and he fucking... And he was from Dallas and he threw... He threw a fucking iPad, no an iPod, the original ones, an iPod across the room, and he goes, This is not my first time at the rodeo, you motherfucker. Oh
0: my god. <laughs> and I was
1: like, Oh my god. And I was dating Jimmy Boyle at the time, who was a very skinny music producer, remember? And he drove over the table because he was in the music in the he was doing the music with me for the show. And then all of a sudden, there was like a brawl that broke out in the middle of the meeting. That's one time I got hit. I also got punched by Bernadine Morris, who was the director, the fashion director at the New York Times at the beginning of my career. Yes, Manuel from Nashville. But Manuel didn't hit me. Manuel's a dear friend of mine. Somebody's asking. The guy who was investing in Manuel's company is the person I'm talking about. Tara Codruder, haha, thanks. so let's keep it. Um, I'm also going to talk to people because they need to know that we're watching them and that they're here. Otherwise, they don't want to just hang out. We need to be connected, all of us. So anyway, um, the other time, oh yeah, Bernadine Morris, I didn't know who she was. I was like just starting out in VR. And so I, she had retired. She was not at the New York Times. Amy Spindler was at the New York Times. But at this point, she had retired long before I got on the scene. So I was like, I gave her a standing. It was for an chef. I'll never forget it. The oh, my God. From Turkey.
0: Turkish designer so, extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, So all stop. of a sudden, I'm out checking for editors, and this lady who was in her late, mid-80s at the time, and she came up to me, and she was like, are you Kelly Catrone?" And I was like, yes, I am. And she fucking punched me. This 80-year-old fucking Bernadine Morris, who was the fashion director, at the New York Times, she pu- physically punched me. I've never I gotten hit. Arm, and she goes, I, you, I am not a standing. You do not deserve to work in the fashion industry. You should get your facts straight, sister. And by the way, she was right, but I was so taken aback that I fucking put her up against the wall. She was like 80. And I, pin- after she hit me, I pinned her up against the wall. And... I said to her, Don't you ever physically insult me and I go I'll fucking have you arrested next time. Do you understand me? But she did put me in my place and I can tell you, um, yeah, that was that was a, a major thing. Also, lots of threats. I mean, I well uh, you also got was yeah, as a- killed. By the mafia on a Jeremy Scott show because we couldn't afford to pay for the set. Well, I think
0: when, uh, in part one of this podcast, which we taped at our offices, we recorded uh-huh. this um, recently, you talked about um, the Anthony Weiner mistress that came to your show, remember?
1: Oh, of course. That was a Actually, big thing you for agree. you. Of course, I remember that.
0: Yeah. You can I just love well, that.
1: Karma's a fucking bitch, so let me just tell you something about karma. You know whose shitty little pop-up store is next door to my office that I've had my swinging loft for 20 years? And and, he, it, and he, he has peanuts? Fucking Miguel Azrael, who fucking fired me for that, okay? And the crazy thing, that story, do you know that story, the whole story?
0: I know the story, but I think you should tell the story for every, it's in the, I'm in trying to make the you it But you should tell the story, I yeah. was rep-
1: representing Miguel Azrael, and, and, and everything that I'm saying is true, and I have fucking witnesses to this. So I'm gonna just tell you the truth, and. If, he wants to fucking come for me. I'll, I'll meet him in the ether on the fucking press. And Here we go. Four. And okay. it's popping. So here's what happened. I was representing him and I said to him, we can't show off site. We were showing it. I.B. would Okay. And I was like, okay, we can't show off site anymore. You're too important. And we have to show at seven six, which is what winter fashion week was called at the time. Ofic- official yeah, yes. fashion. Week. Brian Park. It was Brian Park. Yep. So anyway, long story short. We set out, Constance White was involved in this as well. So I made an application for him to get designer of this season. Explain who her. Constance White was. Yeah, it. Constance White was the editor in chief of Essence. And she's, you know, an icon in the fashion industry. And, and at the time, she was the head of a new website that was coming out called eBay. Okay? And she was curating for freaking <laughs> eBay. All right? So anyway, long story short, I said to him, listen, I think I can get your whole show sponsored. That was December, January comes up, still no sponsors. So he calls me up and he goes, I hope you're fucking happy. You ruined my career. You know, you told me to do a show. I can't afford to pay for this. You know, I'm going to humiliate you. And I said, listen, I don't know what to tell you, but psychically, I feel like something good's going to happen. And I hung up the phone. Hey, Shushie, Shush is here. Um, Shush is a friend of mine. who's a singer from London who just came on. That's Tamara. Anyway, Shush brought meatballs into Baby Johnny's Cafe Palermo in Little Italy and caused quite the ruckus, which was very funny with the Mafia. It's a separate story. Anyway, here we go. So I said to him, I, 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 decided, I have a feeling something really amazing is going to happen. I get him designer of the year, so he got a free venue, and he got thirty-five dollars or $40,000 from Constance. They call me up, him and Donata, the girl who runs his business. Oh, my God, you're the best thing that ever happens to us. We love you so much. Oh, my God, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. At the same time, I get a phone call from a very powerful guy in L.A. who asked me to help this girl named like Ashley Dupree. I have no idea who she is. Turns out she was the call girl, the prostitute who fucked Elliot Spitzer, who was the governor of New York, who decided he was going to eradicate prostitution. One problem. Hi, Mary Paul. Bonsoir. And Mary Paul's on to Mary. Cheshire. No, Mary Paul's on. Okay, so I get a phone call that this girl wants to be, come meet me, that that she knows who I am, she sees me on TV, and she wants to come meet me, okay? So I was like, and and Emily and, and Ashley Dupree, that she wants to be a musician. And I say, hey, I don't do music, people, so...
0: Do you guys know that all of the um, selfie stands have been, are sold out across all channels? The selfie stands, I don't even Amazon. know Okay, yeah, then. all the all the all those sort of set up the people. Well, I'll just fucking know. Uh,
1: okay. All right, we're gonna have to change. We're gonna have to change environments. Okay.
0: That's okay. You have a Kelly has an amazing house in the woods. So yeah,
1: gonna, any one of these
0: environments that she takes us to, look at this, guys. Look at this. Every room is different you're okay, you're, you're up close and personal with Kelly Catrone's um, Haven. Yeah. Like
1: nobody cares.
0: This is yeah. they do care. This is a no, real
1: simple everyone. No, it's a, home for no, it's a
0: sneak peek. This is a really beautiful space. I've spent a lot of time there. Um, you know what's
1: good is there's a fucking outlet here. Hi. Okay. Are we okay? now? No, no we're good. As long <laughs> as you have your drink, Kelly. Can I just get a chair? Hold on one you second. You need a
0: chair and you need your drink. Yes. Guys, do you have any questions while while Kelly's getting set up? You can um,
1: start shooting shooting out your questions. It's okay. I got a chair. We're good to go. I'm not sitting on a pillow. Who's tied up in lights?
0: Somebody's asking, Kel. What's what's your art installation in the back? Somebody's tied up with
1: lights. He's not tied up. What is it?
0: He's
1: being celebrated. We need you near the
0: computer, though, so you need to bring the computer, too. Oh, my God. So go get a card table. You're like go get
1: like a full a card table. table. <laughs> I'm gonna just hope <laughs> that we have hand me down from your mind. Right. Like we need okay. we need
0: you. Hannah's saying that we need you by your Okay, um, I'm here. I'm here. Oh this perfect. Is Hannah, is
1: that good? Okay, work out. All right, let's just stay focused. So anyway, this girl wanted my help, okay? And so she came to the office and I said, you should meet Pedro Omar okay? The, the fucking Spanish film director, I said, come to my fashion show at this time. She came early, okay? And she showed up at the as well as she, okay? And all of a sudden I looked and I realized that she was getting spotted by the press. And I didn't know, but it was the anniversary of um, fucking the, the arrest of Elliot Spitzer. So long story short, you know, we do the show. It's the biggest show of this guy's career. I do the whole show for free. I get everything for him for free. And what happens afterward? She, he fucking fires me. He calls me up. This is a true story. And he goes. Give us a speech, says, Cal. No, he calls me up. This is, and they go, fuck you. You fucking let a hooker into our show. One thing. He was having an affair with a very famous married woman who was in the front row. As for several other people in the fucking front row. And I said, why is this girl getting blamed? She had money for sex. She's not sucking dick for a Birkin bag. At least it's a clean business deal. Do you know what I'm saying? So it was a big thing. Well, I, you know what I think? Can I just say something? I feel yeah.
0: like I'm, I'm not sure why anyone came at you that way. Because if anyone knows you... They should have known, sort of, your POV on all of this. Like, no, I know, it, but that wasn't right?
1: because I would never sacrifice my client's brand. I didn't know. No, that you was wouldn't do that, to but, that but, show. but. But I th- Nevertheless. Nevertheless. People nevertheless, hire you for his your business point sucks. You- nobody cares about him, and he has a shit ass pop up that he's probably contractually obligated to on Grand Street right now. But to be fair, I saw a trench coat in the window. It did look nice, but. Anyway, there's more to the story. It goes on, but we'll save it for another time. I think Let we'll me ask you this, though. It. Um okay. Go <laughs>
0: Of all of your clients over the years, which do you believe was the most important or influential? Of mine? Yeah.
1: That You've had, had so with? many
0: important clients over the years. Who was the most influential? I have,
1: I have broken more brands than Steven Spielberg's had hit films. Yeah, so truth.
0: can you, I mean, I'm sure you can't remember them all, but do you, can, something I think the best
1: teams that I've so had so in the past, Jeremy and I were a good team for a long Jeremy time. who, for people years. that know Yeah. We did a long 12 years together for free. I never made a dime. Um, not that that's something to write about. We can talk about that on another um, episode. Jeremy, Agent Provocateur, I did forever since the first day that they opened until when they sold and. We did all that imaging. I think that was also a really cool thing for the feminist movement combining I mean, like, like lingerie. We put the woman in the driver's seat. It wasn't about her boyfriend taking her it there. It's like, whether it was a cab driver who was buying like side tie panties for his wife for Christmas or, you know, the lawyer who wanted to wear some crotchless panties and some pasties underneath her suit so she could win at court. You know, we were able to create a dialogue for women that had them embrace their sexuality, but put them in the driver's seat. So I was really proud of that. Papa Rabanne obviously was amazing as for, Henry Holland, uh, Steve Madden when he started out, Ben & Jerry's forever, Christie's Auction House, the Norma Kamali sale that we did there as well, Soho and Tribeca Grand Hotel, Sunset Marquis, Rag & Bone I did from the very beginning till the time that they sold KTZ. I mean, we can kind of keep going, but I've done- Well,
0: here's my next question. I have another question on this order. Who did you personally love the most and why? I mean, I, I don't want you, you to pick. I know that Kelly, you know, tons of people and you have a lot of love. The first people.
1: person that I worked with that I loved the most is Paco Rabanne. Why? Because he was the coolest fucking raddest psychic shaman. Tell us a mentor. story about Paco Rabanne. So Paco Rabanne was an architect and if there are a lot of kids from the fashion space, um, listening a lot of fashion designers to have a background in architecture. That's, that's kind of a side doorway of getting into fashion. And um, the thing that I loved about him is I couldn't believe that um, I had been invited by the Pooch family who owns Nina Ricci, Carolina Herrera, um, Paco Rabanne and other brands to come to Paris uh, during Couture to meet Paco Rabanne because I was gonna be interviewed uh, to represent him. You had to, I had to pay my own way, and I did. And I'd never been to Paris. I don't think a lot of people know that. And that's also the week that I met my daughter's father. So it was a pretty auspicious week. I I um, was there. And I walked into the uh, Ritz Hotel. I was really intimidated. And uh, there were all these Japanese people smoking cigarettes and drinking champagne and writing orders, you know. And um, all along the walls of the Ritz Hotel in Paris, hopefully we can show a picture of the salon so when people see this on the web they can reference how beautiful that room is and there were like all of these chairs lined up and it was almost for like the girls who don't get asked to dance so i was sitting there and they walked in Boulet, who became my partner in paris my business partner he's dead now and uh anyway they walk in with paco Raban and they say Uh, Mr. Rabanne, j'ai présenté uh, la belle Kelly Coutron, l'attruché du presse, pour les etats unis like, hey, this is Kelly Coutron, she's the the press agent in the United States that you're meeting with, and I said, hi, it's nice to meet you. And he said to me, c'est nécessaire pour toi, pour l'évec-moi la Françaire, l'Espagne seulement, which I didn't know what the fuck he was saying at the time, because I didn't know any of that. And... um, he was like, you have to talk to me in French or Spanish. And the only thing I knew in Spanish besides hola, me llamo. Oh my God, my teacher's calling from India. Oh, your sound
0: just went out, Kelly. Is everyone getting Kelly's sound? That was sound? fine. My guru
1: was calling from India. It's not Well, problem. the guru. Anyway, so long story short, the only words that I knew in Spanish were la vida es un sueño, which meant life is a dream. Which meant life is a dream. Sorry, he keeps calling um, Simone, of of so anyway, I said, La vida sueno. He said, Silence, we will meditate. So he sits down next to me in the fucking Ritz Hotel in Paris and the, the first Eredizement. He puts his hand over my head and we sit and we meditate. Then he stands up and he says, Merci beaucoup. And I say, Merci a vous. And he leaves. And Jen Gross, who was my business partner at the time, called and said, Did we get a job? Oh wow! I said, I don't know. And she said, why? And I said, we meditated through the whole fucking thing. The whole fucking and, so, and so the next day they called me and they said, we want to confirm you as a publicist for Paco Raban because he said that you were his niece in Egypt when he was King Tuff. And that is why <laughs> he will always be- Oh, married. I have a really,
0: really good story right. on that line. Okay. Well, first of all, Kelly, I have a bag from the Paco Rabanne, from something that you were doing with Paco at the time. Jeffries. I, I don't know. I have a beautiful bag. It's half knit. It's half sort of um, silver hardware. I will never get rid of this bag. Wait, I will is never. Is when
1: we did the, 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 the La Neige, the snow show? Remember? When I don't was... know.
0: I just remember getting a black bag. It had um, it was knit. It had leather. Yes. It's the and snow it was... collection. And I'll ne- I will never get rid of that bag. Okay, um, the other thing that you reminded me of when you told that story was a story that I have not that, you know, long ago, which was sometime between 2008 and 2010 where um, I was at Donna Karen's studio and uh, ch- chatting with, for a press preview. I think it was for her Zen um, urban Zen line that she's so involved, you know, that's what she's involving wow. herself in most right now. Yes. And um, Donna said to me, I know you from another life, like I definitely oh, she did? yeah, like one one. I was two on one I was with my creative director at Oprah magazine and we were in Donna's space, and she said, I was like, "Donna, hi, you know I was like, I actually know you know we've we've met before, and she's like, yeah, no we've we've definitely met, I know you, I know you, you and I are connected
1: from from I another life tell a story you want to hear it yeah okay. So I'm trying to do this project with Donna like to get her to get involved with one of my clients in this thing, which I won't talk about. And she kept dragging it out and dragging it out and dragging it out. And I was like, listen, I need an answer from her. So I called her publicist, and her publicist said, oh, my God, she's nowhere to be found. She's not taking any phone calls whatsoever. It happened to be December in L.A., and Simone, who works with me, and my daughter, Ava, we went to dinner and the Ivy. And so I said, get in L.A., I'm um, Robertson. So I said, get up. Let's take a picture of you guys in front of the Christmas tree. Well, who do you think was sitting on the fucking left of the Christmas tree? Demi Moore and Donna Karen. And so while her publicist was texting me and telling me she's in seclusion and she can't talk. So I said, well, is she in seclusion at the fucking Ivy with Demi Moore? Because I'm sitting right next to them. Isn't that a great story? It's
0: such a good story.
1: It's so funny.
0: Um, I have a- another question for you. Sure. Who did you personally, client wise, Kelly? Again, Kelly, you have cl- you've had so many clients over the years. You've been in business since yeah. the late nineties. Uh, no, mid Who did you pers- mid, mid-90s ninety six? Mid 90s mid 90s So who did you love personally love the most and why? Personally
1: I mean, love the I mean, most. Paco Rabon.
0: So the same answer, Paco Rabon.
1: He was my favorite client of
0: all time. Okay, and then who... And he also did
1: tarot card readings. And he also flirted with go-go boy messengers that would come to deliver packages. He'd be like, he's the best. Paco was the best. Everybody should lift up Paco Ruban. He he really is the best. Who exhibited I mean, the no most... Cre- cre-
0: is there somebody ever. that exhibited more creativity than Paco? Or would you say Paco was like the, ep- the, ep- the epic...
1: No, I'm just saying for me, I loved him because he was super creative. He was beautiful. He was like really elegant. He wore black every day. He wore like a Chinese Mao workers uniform. I don't know if you know that, but he wore the same thing every day, kind of like me. He did tarot card readings and at his desk. He believed in magic. You know, he believed in the future. You know, he's really a revolutionary. He was great friends with Salvador Dali. I mean, this guy, he was the first person to ever use uh, to ever use I think he was the first person to ever to use a black model in a fashion gym. Definitely one of the first three. You're kidding. I didn't know that. No. But... He also did one of the first uh, nude fashion books ever called News with a great photographer called Jean Clemère, C-L-E-M-M-E-R, that people oh my god, tigers, yes. <coughs> I'm obsessed. Um, but yeah Paco probably is my favorite client of all time.
0: So Kelly um What's the most common mistake that brands and designers make?
1: (laughs) Uh, They spend too much money and they don't listen.
0: Can you get into like a few details about what that looks like?
1: It depends, but there, there are a few things. We could talk about it this way. We can talk about what goes into making a successful brand. One is good design. You don't have to be the best, but it needs to be good and it needs to last. So it needs to be able to make it from the design table to the factory, to the truck, to the store, to the door of the consumer, right? So that being said, you need good design. You need good production because you can have a designer that makes an amazing sample. If nobody can copy the sample and and, 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 and do it in, in large quantities, then that's also not going to be good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going back to my other setup over here, so that's design. Sorry. Then retail stores, obviously, celebrity, you know, budgets for celebrity, and then um, advertising, and wholesaling, and digital, and digital blowups, and digital enhancement. These are all things that go in to making a good brand. So a brand that fails might have had great design, might have had great production, might have had great PR, but they didn't have any money, you know? Then you have designs that have a ton of money, brands that have a ton of money, but they don't have the other things. So if you're covering it like a clock, Those are the pieces of the pie that you really need to pay attention to. And if the designer thinks they're always right, I've seen designers go out of business because they've demanded a hundred thousand dollar chair in their Soho store. And the Japanese investors say, Hey, listen, we can get you this same chair in a replica form for $2,000. And we'll be able to keep the store up in an extra three months. And they go, no, I want the chair. Okay. Then you should fucking go out of business, you know, no, Sorry, but you should. So, you know, everybody has to work together. There is no... This is the corniest saying that I love. There is no I in team bitches, okay? So... I get it. We get it. 100%. Yves Saint Laurent would have been nothing without Pierre Bourget. He would have been... He would have been fucking on the, on, on the barrio, okay? Trolling. For real. And I love him. But my point is, not that he's a loser... My point is, is that every great artist needs great business. Okay? Yeah. I mean, okay,
0: so you're one of the most open-minded professionals in the fashion industry, Mm -hmm. an industry that clings to categories and labels. What have been the deciding factors been for you? What have they been for you in taking on a new client? What is it that you look for besides a check?
1: Well, first of all, I do do things for money, but very rarely. And when I do, it's never fun um, for them or me. So I try not to do it. Um, I usually work with people because I feel like I'm the only one who gets it. Um, Or two, they've tried everybody else. Like a lot of times they will go to a different type of agency before me. I'm kind of like, you know, with Valentino, when they came to me, they had tried all of the three named blonde haired waspy girls, you know, and they're like, Somebody was like, give me that. Da- oh, Grazia D'Annunzio, who's the CEO of Valentino in the United States, was like, give me that Kelly Cutrone. She's crazy. She'll shake it up for us. Same with Bulgari, you know, they were like really stodgy, so they hired me. So, one is something new that's really cool that has great feminist or psychic or artistic or like really like people like Bernard Wilhelm, as for Jeremy Scott, and Amelia, who I'm working with now, Hogan McLaughlin, who's amazing, you know. Mimi Prober. You know, people are really pushing the envelope. That's my specialty. I like to give a voice to the people who deserve to be heard, but give a fuck way more about art than their ego. And so I like to hook it up for them and help them tell their stories. Okay, here's,
0: can we go, how much more time do we have? We're going to get- well, you kicked- you say that you
1: get kicked off after an hour. If that happens- I know everyone,
0: place. guys, I mean, I think, you know- we're. All right, all stop getting, talking getting- about it. Every
1: second counts. Let's go. We're going to stay on until we get kicked <laughs>
0: off. Is, here you go, Kelly Catron, her best. But yeah, <laughs> the point is, is that um, Instagram Live is so popular right now. I
1: think that, I think it's great okay, that well, it is. Okay, we'll come back. They already know. Let's keep going. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, You talk a lot. This is from Josh Little, our friend Josh Little, who we love. You talk a lot about the importance of finding your tribe. How do you reconcile those people not being being your family members, whom you've been entangled with your whole life, and describe your tribe and its makeup? I mean, I think that's true for a lot of people. Um, I think that now more than ever, people want to have a tribe. I think you know, we're all you know what
1: how do you well, hey, T you go ahead you, talk oh. about it, you know i mean i mean i think it's for both of us no? well, yeah who is your tribe made up of well i,
0: I mean, think that's just... i think really that's the, at the heart of josh's question
1: who who, who i mean i run project? a matriarch so i run a matriarch you what so i run a matriarch so i'm a single mom and okay. i'm also the owner of a business and i'm a chick so i run a temple and in my temple, I have temple priests and the temple priests have, there's like one to seven temple priests. So one is somebody I date Then I have a couple of really fun artists that are around. Then I have like some business mentors. So there are the people who are going to serve the mother in one way or other. So that's my tribe. And then I have my people's revolution tribe. And then I have my intimate friends tribe. And I'd say 60% of them don't work in the entertainment business and um, 40% of them do. Obviously, you and I are friends, we're sisters. We've also worked together forever, so we have a lot of circles that overlap. And then there are people that I see that I'm truly, maybe I've only seen one time or a 100 times, but they're in my psyche. And when I see them, you know, if I run into them, maybe we'll grab a drink, maybe we'll go for a walk, maybe we'll threaten to have dinner with each other, but that's really my tribe. I, I like to have a lot of really successful, cool, people around me who think differently than have a different point of view. That's, that's interesting. interesting. Can you talk more about that? I think that's a huge tip for
0: people. I think that people really don't approach life that way. I think that people tend to focus on, you know, I think life is not so easy and people focus on their immediate circumstance. And I don't know that everyone is putting that, is being that thoughtful
1: uh-huh.
0: about cultivating their tribe. And I think that's probably at the heart of Josh's question. You know, I think Josh probably finds it intriguing that, you know, a lot of us may or may not feel connected to our families. Um, We feel like we should be.
1: Well, Um, I think most families lie. I think most families lie to their kids. You know, they tell you that blood is thicker than water. It's not necessarily. I hope that it is, you know, and they say there's nothing like your family. That's not true either. Sometimes there's something better than that. You know, I mean... Yeah. I mean, there are some ways that I feel incredibly supported by my family. I mean, I can be honest to tell you that there's not one member of my family that's ever come to one fashion show that I produced. So I mean, could you imagine if Tiger Woods, I mean, imagine being like at the PGA and somebody's like, okay, Tiger Woods is back on the green. And like nobody from his family is there. My family just doesn't particularly care about that. So I had to find other people to root for me. Or I had to accept the fact that I was the kid with nobody rooting for me.
0: Yeah. You know Um, what I mean? Yeah. I think that when you're you're in the truth,
1: it doesn't fucking
0: matter. I think that what you're saying really really resonates. We're getting a lot of comments from people in the chat that are, that where that sort of resonates. It's sort of like you're. And guess
1: what? When you're doing something that you love, I mean, listen, I don't care if you have one limb, I don't care. When you see somebody doing what they love and being in their truth. Okay everybody's fucking beautiful, man. You know, everybody's beautiful. And so it's like, I don't care. You know,
0: what do you, Kelly, what do you say to the people who are out there sort of struggling, still looking for the approval from their family and not, you know, not getting it? what What do you, you've lived a life, you've lived a really rich and colorful life and you, you know, no pun intended, but you know, you like many people, like many of us, are, were a black sheep in some way. I mean, that's I know, really but cool. I'm the only
1: person that talks to everybody in my family now. But it's, it's a really, black sheep but I know too. that
0: about you and I know that you and I are the same way, but what would you say to people who who feel, you know, who, um, who feel that way about uh, not yeah. wanting mean, to I be think there very- are a lot
1: of different ways. I think there are a lot of different ways to kind of like go into this portal. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, if there's something that you can't get from your family that you wanted to get from them, stop blaming them, start finding out how to give it to yourself or get it somewhere else. You know, if you keep going to the ATM machine, right? And you put in your pin coat and no fucking money comes out. Are you gonna keep going back to that machine? No.
0: You had an incident with the fashion show attendee fairly recently. And you've had many similar incidents over the years. Yeah. And you and I, of course, have discussed a lot of them. Recap uh what happened for everybody and explain why you took to Instagram to make a statement.
1: Uh, Okay. I don't think it's whatever. It's like nobody important goes to fashion shows anymore anyway, with the exception of like a few shows or if you have a brand that's on the up, you can get good people. So, you know, when people want 500 people to shows, you have to fill the seats, Right. So we let this girl from Jezebel come. I didn't know her, whatever, it's a website. And she took a front row seat. And of course, the New York Times was coming in and I needed a seat, that's my job. Each one of those seats in the front row is equal to like $300 or whatever. Okay, three or $500, they're really important seats. So I told this girl, get up. And so she was like, oh no, no, I was invited. I said, well, I did the seating chart. I know everybody that was invited. And you're supposed to be in the second row. You're not supposed to be in the front row, so get up, right? You're from Jezebel. How dare you? You want to fucking come sit front row to fashion Well, can you there?
0: explain why it is that you don't have that respect for Jezebel?
1: As a fashion authority? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I sure. mean, I'll, I'll I think that people have they're own. not a fashion authority. It's like going to get a can of oil at Home Depot to run your car, it's not going Okay, work. well, let's
0: talk about this. Who deserves a seat at a fashion show, Kelly? Oh,
1: please. Are we really going to do this now? Yeah. How about we'll this? Just people just... who people who are fans of fashion and that their voice will do they have 60 followers or 6 million followers is important. Okay? That's one. Two, an editor because it's their job to know, that's why they're there, right? Three, a reviewer because they review. Four, People who influence pop culture, and I mean this for real—not because your dad's a dentist in New Canaan, Connecticut, and you bought yourself fifty thousand fucking followers, and you have a brand called Grinding Stilettos, or I—I I don't know—I'm just making this up. So if it is a real brand, I apologize. No, I mean like you really have influence, right? Like Joaquin Phoenix is not a big movie star. Well, he is now. Because he won an Oscar, but you don't even—he has influence. You know, Viggo Mortensen has influence. Tom Waits has influence you know Um, Ryan McGinley has influence but I don't care how many followers you have it's like can you do something for the brand can you sell advertising for us can you bring in brand business can you review the show are you a buyer hey how about this for a little topic can you actually write an order and help my clients make money okay these are the people that should be at fashion shows and then I think fans should be there Okay? People who don't know about fashion, but really love it. And so you know this, that I from the beginning of time have told everybody, let's just give 50 tickets away to the 50 people who can actually help this brand and let's sell the rest of them. And who
0: are those people? Like who is the perfect fan?
1: People who actually, it's like who's the perfect fan. It's not the person who's sleeping on heroin backstage. It's the hot girl up front who's dancing, right? It's that girl who really wants to be at that show, who really wants to connect with the artist, who really wants to praise, love, and support. You know what I mean? That's who we want at fashion shows. Not some fucking 26 year old girl who grew up in fucking private school in Switzerland who's like, oh, you know, I'm so bored, it's so hard, you know? You think that's hard, bitch? Try having a baby when you're 16, okay? Going back to work two days later. That's hard. Yeah,
0: yeah, of course, yeah. Well, you and I worked together brand building before and during the yeah, launch of Story & Reign. Yes. Because you're one of the very few people that has both intimate knowledge of my career and its trajectory and also the atmosphere and details of the sphere in publishing. What's the common denominator you've witnessed amongst brands and designers who have quote unquote made it? What did they do to guarantee their success, Kelly?
1: Um, good listeners. I've answered this question earlier on the podcast. I don't think so. Good. Yes, I did. Good listeners, good listeners and a good team. You know, there's no designer who gets there by themselves. There's no CEO who gets there without the designer. There's, it's a whole system and we all are together. It's a matrix. and We vibe and we flow, including the editors and the stylists and the celebrities. We all feed each other. It's an ecosystem. I'm here in the middle of the pandemic to talk about a fat a, like fashion ecosystem. So all these people were all feeding each other. My arm's getting tired. This is like a core exercise. Oh I'm glad you guys think this is fun to watch.
0: You talk in sound bites, Kelly, were you like this always? Were you like this as a child? <laughs> no, I've said this to you a million times. I mean
1: learning how to edit yourself is a, is an art. You know that song I'm walking on sunshine? When I feel like on, we're, when we were I'm walking on sunshine. Woo, don't feel good. Hey, uh, come on now. So when I was on the set of Top Model with Tyra, we used to be like, I'm speaking in sound bites and like, I don't feel bad.
0: Do you miss television?
1: Uh, no. What? I I don't like being famous. I like TV. I would have a talk show, you know. But I I've been offered so many shows to go make kids cry. It's like I don't think people really understand where I'm coming from most of the time. So.
0: You think that hmm? you think that people don't know where you're coming from?
1: Yeah, but I don't want to be in therapy. We're doing an Instagram live. Let's go. <laughs> What's the next question? Okay, the next
0: question. The next yes. question.
1: This is a really great one.
0: Okay. Who's it from?
1: Maybe you should give them a shout
0: out. Well, no, it's, it's, it's another one from Josh. Um, from yeah. Okay. It's so in one of your books, you talk about meeting with Donald Trump. Oh. And you, and how you refused to work with him. Yeah. Uh, explain in 2010. The counter- in two, no, not
1: 2010. Like 1997 or 99 or something like that. Yeah, my book came out in 2010.
0: Explain I the love. encounter, and is the man you met then the same man, in your opinion, who is now the president of our United States?
1: He's worse. It's like saying, <laughs> you know, is a is a lilac sapling you know, in the lilac orchard, like he's grown his evilness into even bigger and better things. The guy's a fucking maniac. How can you be in the middle of COVID-19, just as a publicist, I'd like to say. And they ask him, how do you think things are going? And he goes, the ratings are great. Who says that? You know, global world domination. Oh yeah, everybody's tuning in to watch it. Why? Because they fucking can't go anywhere else. Yeah, ratings are great. I mean, what the fuck? Who says that from a PR standpoint? You guys, are such a maniac. So, um, a long time ago, uh, I represented a woman by the name of Eartha Kitt, and uh, oh, just Eartha are... Kitt. Well, people don't know who that is. lately. Really, really. they, they don't. They don't know who Eartha Kid is. They really don't. Look at I'm scratching my face. Are you scratching your face these days? No, so- I was
0: actually going to ask you about masks. We got a lot of new information about masks today, at least from our government. Have you been wearing a mask? I mean, you're very... I know where you are, and I know that you're not. Um,
1: you're, well, you're. I wear... <laughs> I have masks. I've been liking the kind of gangster look. So I tie like this, and then I tie overhead, and then I close it this way. But um, I don't... I don't really think, wh- what's the new information before I talk about it? It
0: was just sort of announced somewhat today that there, some information was floated out there that actually we should, ha- we should all be donning masks as if we can get our hands on them as often as possible. And, uh-huh. you know, it's just, there, there's, there's yeah, just- Yeah, but what kind events. of mask? Like some
1: shit mask from some. I don't know. Like, I mean, okay, that's, eBay, that's sort of the other part you know, of the some, conversation. Not eBay. What is that? Uh, Etsy. Some Etsy girl who's like kumbaya mask. Well, there's a What's lot that? of. What's the point of that shit? There's a lot of. Seen, um, has anybody seen the Christian Seriano mask? Can we ask them? If yeah, your pants. But
0: there are a lot of different versions of, mask of masks right It's not going to work.
1: I mean, it's like bathing suits are the hardest thing to make, or bras. Like, I'm assuming that a actually safe face mask is a hard thing to make. Don't you? Well, I think that
0: there's, it begs a bigger question is what is a safe mask? I think that's what we're all talking about right now. I I think I barely
1: can make through this shit. I mean, I'm doing meditation.
0: Is everybody
1: just feeling like, what the fuck? Can I just like, is everybody just feeling like, what the fuck? Okay. I, are you feeling like, what the fuck? A little bit. I mean, I don't know why we're pretending this is normal. No, I don't think we're. I think I'm I don't not preaching out at all. I'm, I'm just like saying it. yes. Everybody's like, yes. They're all like, yes. I mean, you know, it's fine. I, I can handle it. You know, we can do it. Uh, yeah, CBD, great. And biochemically you alter yourself any way that you fucking can without really getting arrested. Steckle's in on you. Mel Murph, fucking Michelle Murphy's in. Everybody knows. Everybody is, everybody's like, what the fuck? And the thing that's crazy is, this is America. Italians are singing. We're all like, I have a unitard. I'm wearing a unicorn tie-dye fucking unitard. It's like, OK, wait, guys. I mean, what are we doing? We're sharing information about, and I love Tucker King. Don't get me wrong, OK? Tucker Paul. Donald Trump is president. He's talking about how his hair is real. and you how his ratings from the podium are good, OK? We have Andrew Cuomo, which, by the way, thank God this guy's in fucking New York, all right? And Gavin Newsom, who's a little wishy-washy. I think he's going to have a problem in California after this. And, I mean, guys, everybody's like, what the fuck? Don't worry, okay? Here's what people have to do. This is what I think we have to do, okay? Because I've already, I'm like 54, okay? So I have been in the Northridge earthquake. I have been in the fucking uh, race riots in LA. I was in the World Trade Center. I also was in the blackout in New York. I've been in a lot of this shit, okay? Here's here's the deal. And also fame too, like you're up, you're down, you're a power player, you're not. One day you're in, the next day you're out. Here, here's what I know. We're not what we do for a living, okay? We are not what we do for our living, at all. We are not what we have. Look, I'm, I have no relationship to all this beautiful shit. When I'm dead, have that's me a me really sold.
0: good note coming. Half
1: of it we sold at a garage sale for I mean they sold to all of Eleanor or Roosevelt shit. So I don't want to think that they're gonna keep on. Okay. So we know we're we know we're not what we have. We know we're not what we do. Okay. There's three lanes to pick, in my opinion. Satan or evil or darkness or Belzebub, or Basphumet, any of the names. So you have Satan, science, or God pick up or goddess if you're a feminist so or god and goddess let's use shiva shakti and go for equality those are the fucking lanes to pick right now if you decide that you have the right to abundance and peace and prosperity no matter what right then you fucking grab onto some sort of a spiritual tradition right now and it doesn't have to involve a bible a spiritual text anything secular or non-secular do you believe in love and do you believe in magic